Recently, somebody asked me why God decided to create us even though he knew we would fall, even though he knew that we would reject him. I said, good question. I said, and this is good for everybody, because God desires to be loved freely by free men. Because if we didn't have freedom, if there was no possibility of evil, if we were all just robots, well, then it would, it would not be love at all. That's why only, only a creature who has freedom is able truly to love. And so God takes the risk. God takes the risk for us. But we see, when we look closely, humanity itself is afraid of this freedom. We've all observed how in modern times, man has began to use technology in a radical way to change nature in order to serve our needs. And then further along through modernity, we began to, to, to use technology in order to try to control and change human nature itself. So much so that after the terrible, uh, the terrible wars of World War I and World War II, it was thought that through technology, eventually those with power would be able to control humanity to prevent any terrible thing from happening. This is like the, the quote from T.S. Eliot from his choruses from the rock. They constantly tried to escape from the darkness outside and within by dreaming of systems so perfect that no one will need to be good. As if the solution to our freedom were more laws. We need to pass better and more laws to control people and punish those who break them. As if that would actually make us good. Uh, salvation through uh, politics and uh, lawmaking. And then we have this scene after World War II where Churchill came to visit the United States and he went to visit the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston, where he was applauded for basically uh, what many thought was a, a savior of the world. And the dean of MIT says this, Having mentioned the great debt civilization owed to Churchill for his part in overcoming the Nazi threat, he went to describe what the look of that civilization would, civilization would be as he saw it in the post-war period. Civilization had, he supposed, taken possession of every aspect of human existence by means of science and technology. Only a small step separated mankind from the realization of total dominion over human thought, affection, and feeling. Soon, human power would reach down to the very roots of our nature, such that no Hitler would ever again be able to arise, and the world would become capable of a perfect society, like some great laboratory set up according to a just plan. Hearing this, Churchill rose from his seat and after thanking the dean for his hospitality and his words of praise, said in reference to the happy world the dean had just described that he sincerely hoped to be dead before it happens. <laughs> this, is, this, is like, this is like the absolutely false positive outlook uh, that we see all the time. After anybody does everything bad, what does everybody say on the news? Never again. Never again. We can never let this happen again. 
And now there's a war again in the Middle East. At what point are we going to realize that the human drama will never stop and that freedom in each person, every day, in every moment, and through each generation, freedom again arises and needs to be called to strive to what's good? Now, here's a question that I would ask. Why doesn't God give each of us the opportunity of facing the drama of life without suffering the sins of our first parents? What if he conceived each of us immaculately? Wouldn't this seem more just to give each of us a fighting chance to be there in front of Satan and say no to his proposal? Only I say, actually, no. It's okay to be a part of humanity. It's okay to be a part of this shared destiny and shared path to suffer the sins of our first parents. But why? Because the point of life is not to not sin. The great problem in life does not lie in following the law or never falling down. The big point and problem of life is to enter into a communion of love with God. Point. Period. This is the point of life. And if we're able to do that as sinners, and in fact, if the discovery of our sinfulness is something that helps to push us to enter into relationship with God, to recognize His mercy and His love and His tenderness for us, well then all the better. And in this way, we can repeat after St. Paul that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So that for those who love Christ, all things serve for the good. And so in this way, we can say that we were not born under a curse, but we were born under a blessing. And that our whole lives is a constant opportunity to enter in a deeper way into this communion of love to which we are offered. I think that the reasons that God chose the virgin to be immaculately conceived is, first of all, as we heard in the prayer of the collect, that God wanted to have a worthy dwelling on the earth when he came in the flesh. That God, secondly, wanted to fulfill the promise that he made at the very beginning That woman who in the beginning says yes to Satan, he promises that it's woman who will crush the head of the serpent. And so it's Eve herself through, so it's Mary herself through her little yes that she brings salvation into the world. And finally, God gives us the gift of the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin to show us the true potential, the true destiny of every human being. That we're not made for this world of suffering, but each of us is made for that fullness of humanity to which Mary herself has already passed and to that destiny to which she has already arrived. And in this way, each of us is filled with so much hope today, with that certain hope that we have, that that place that Mary has already arrived, each of us will also arrive as well.